Welcome back to In Search of Tarot, a podcast that examines, questions, and reimagines our approach to life and the cards. Through guest interviews and in-depth discussions, we'll explore and expand the beautiful complexities of spirituality, philosophy, magic, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Angie. And we're your hosts for this fascinating ride. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, Angie. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I'm recovering from a cold that I had a couple weeks ago, and it's just the lingering kind of raspy things in my in my throat. And I know that you were sick recently as well. Yeah. And a lot of people I know actually have been. I, I had a really bad cold, and then I unfortunately did catch COVID, which I... Was so it was so weird to have it after two years of not not getting it, you know, managing <laughs> to stay clear of it. But I, I was vaccinated and you know it got me. So it was it was rough, um, but I'm starting to to feel a lot better. So I'm glad um, that you're feeling better. Yeah, thank you. But I am so excited about today's episode. I've really been looking forward to this. Um, We are going to be talking about tarot in pop culture um, and different places that it shows up and um, different ways that it's thought about in those places. Um, And I'm just, I'm super excited. I know that everyone listening will have, you know, 20 things to add that we are not Mm -hmm. covering. We are just barely going to touch the surface of this. So, you know, please do write into us at isotpod at gmail.com. Um, and tell us your favorite pop culture references for tarot. Um, but why don't uh, you start us off, Angie? What, what's your first reference you want to talk about? Okay, so the first thing that popped into my mind when you were asking me about this was Carmen, which is an opera by Bizet. It's a French opera. And it, it popped into my mind. It was like a thing that I grew up hearing all the time. My dad's really into opera. And so that was like a constant in my in my house. In fact, I think that this or another one may have been like the first opera I ever saw live, but Mm. this is an opera for those who are not familiar, which I feel like everyone's kind of familiar. Even if you've never seen the opera, everyone knows the like the Habanera song or the Toreador, Toreador, that song. So I feel like everyone's a little bit more familiar, but for those who don't know, it's about a Spanish woman who is of Romani descent and she falls in love. So that the narrative I remember being like a sexy, alluring woman, a seductress who turns an otherwise upstanding fellow into a scoundrel. You know, that's kind of like the the, uh, storyline. So I'll just put an asterisk here. Uh, There is, you know, like the kind of the, the, the way that people look and view Romani people, the treatment of Romani people. we also have this very like spicy Latina trope, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's all of that exists in this opera. And so I'll put the asterisk here of like the big ick is that in the, yeah. in this opera. Um, but the thing in, or how it relates to tarot is in the third act of the opera, um, we also, we, we have like a love triangle going on between Carmen. The main character is Don Jose. And then the man who she eventually falls in love with, which he's the famous bullfighter, um, and his name is Escamillo. So we have Carmen and Don Jose. They kind of have a falling out in the uh, latter part of the opera. And then in the third act, we have three women. There's Frasquita, 
Mercedes and Carmen, and they all start pulling cards. They're sitting around a table. And so if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can just search for the card trio scene in the third act of Carmen and they're pulling cards. So the first one, um, Frasquita starts pulling cards and the normal stuff that comes up, like, you know, what's happening in my love life comes up and like, what's going to happen with my money. You know, that's not mm -hmm. too uncommon from when we read with our own clients, but that's like kind of the main questions that come up. So the two women go first and they're like, oh, I see a young man. He's coming into my life. He loves me so much. The other pulls cards and she's like, oh, he's an older gentleman and he's loaded. Like I'm going to get tons of money, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how we kind of set up this scene. And then Carmen starts to shuffle her cards and she pulls. So either you'll typically see the 10 of swords, which in the Rider Waite Smith depiction is a man face down with swords in his back, or we pull the death card, dun, dun, dun. And <laughs> it's like, you know, this, this terror that overtakes Carmen and she shuffles again and she shuffles again and she shuffles again. The song says like shuffle 20 more times. So she's really going at it. And each single time she pulls out the same cards, um, which later in the opera, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, is Don Jose trying to get her back um, after she's declared her love for Escamillo. She starts to go you know, away from Don Jose and he runs after her and actually kills her. So it's this kind of like, you know, full circle moment where she's seeing like her demise unfolding and his demise unfolding. Mm. So that's how the opera ends. And it's like this juxtaposition between Escamillo run, uh, winning his bullfight in the background. So you hear the audience roar, everybody is freaking out and it's awesome. And then in the foreground, you see Don Jose and Carmen. So um, that's, that's that. And you know, it's like interesting to kind of know, as well as like, you know, the treatment of Romani people and the spicy Latina trope, like all of that existing. But it's interesting to note like the differences of the way that they use the cards in the opera, which is like a very fortune telling, this is my fate kind of approach, uh, as opposed to the way that people use the cards now, which is a much more like self-reflective, a lot of inquiry approach. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, it makes me wonder if Bizet, um, you know, if Bizet was uh, interested in tarot at all or. Um... Yeah, I couldn't find a lot. The The opera came out, it um, first showed in 1875. So I actually couldn't find a whole lot, but there is um, a story and I couldn't find anything to corroborate this, but there was a mezzo soprano in that year who, who actually pulled cards on set and it's mm. supposedly foretold of a death and she ran off stage and fainted backstage. And then in the morning found out that Bizet had died. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that, that is a story that exists, but like I said, I couldn't find a whole lot to confirm whether that was actually true or not. Yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. Yeah. That makes yeah. me want to like dig around in that story. Um, yeah, me too. Awesome. Okay. Well, my next one for us is, I bet a lot of people out there saw this, the Dior Spring Summer 2021 collection. Um, and yeah. this is not the first time that Dior has 
uh, reference tarot in their work. Um, actually, I, I can't remember which year it was, but there was a few years back, there was a, a mother piece, a nod to the mother piece tarot, um, mm-hmm. where they actually use the those images. And, you know, that deck is is a little problematic and a little controversial. Um, and that collection was, you know, pretty controversial as well because of that. Um, but this 2021 collection was stunning. Um, and it, it included a 15 minute film um, mm-hmm. as like a promotional material. So I'm just going to kind of, this is all pulled from an article in the New York Times style magazine from Australia, um, describing the film, a 15 minute film that opened with a young woman in classic Dior quote bar jacket being given a tarot reading as her first card is turned over, which is the high priestess. She is handed a key and enters the dreamlike world of the tarot wandering around the chateau. She embodies two different versions of her Herself as she meets characters from the major arcana, including the fool, the hanged man, the devil, and the star, before mm. merging into one person, perhaps her true self. Um, I thought it was kind of cool to um, that they that they entered the tarot, you know, quote unquote, through a card that wasn't the fool, you know, through the high mm-hmm. priestess, just because we do tend to, or a lot of people, you know, kind of frame the tarot as the fool's journey and kind of mm-hmm. um, make the fool kind of the protagonist. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool that that they entered through a different way. Um, of course, it is interesting to note, again, like you were saying that, you know, there we go again with like the hanged one, the devil, mm-hmm. you know, these they sort of tried and true, you know, every time I watch like a movie or a TV show that starts to pull out a deck of cards, I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, like, right, right. Who's, who's going to show up? It makes sense, right? Like those are the ones that we know. Those are the ones that are familiar. It's it wouldn't be as familiar to be like, oh yes, the six of wands, you know? Right, like right. nobody knows that one. Or I shouldn't say nobody, but people who don't know tarot don't know that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um but what I did not know in researching this is that Christian Dior himself was apparently actually quite superstitious and quite um, interested in esoteric knowledge. Um, mm. He, there's a lot of detail on this if you go to the Dior website and sort of the history of Dior. But um, on the story of Dior, the house states that he had, quote, inherited his grandmother's strong taste for the art of divination, fortune tellers, signs of destiny, and premonitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he apparently sewed sprigs of lily of the valley, which was his lucky flower and a French symbol of good luck and happiness, into the hems of his garments for fashion shows in an oh, effort to that. will his creations into success. Um, and in his memoir, he wrote, quote, chance always comes to the aid of those who really want something, end mm. quote. Um, and also kept close friendships with tarot card readers throughout his life and had his cards read before each of his catwalk shows. That I did not know. And you and I are both um, kind of into fashion. Like we, we talked about that on Marco Polo a little bit, but neither of us knew that. And I'm really surprised. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, like, I feel like that's kind of ballsy, you know, because like, mm. what if you got like, like, what if you pulled the death card before your catwalk show, <laughs> you know, right? or like, I mean, which, you know, there's ways to, to interpret that as being actually a great thing. But there, you know, that, I don't know, I, I how do you feel about that? Like, side note, do you when, whenever like, like, are you someone that would turn to the cards in moments where getting sort of a heavy message might like actually be the worst thing possible? (laughs) You know, that's a really good question. I think that for me, I stay away from like, from the cards when I'm feeling really chaotic and I'm not trusting my own judgment. Like I I, I wouldn't be able to kind of like 
be clear with myself. And so I tend to not. But what about you? Yeah, I think I'm the same. I mean, I I think what it comes down to is I agree. It's like my own state of mind. And so like yeah. if I'm if I'm in a place where I feel like I can't really trust myself to interpret mm-hmm. what really, you know, incorrectly, then I'm probably not going to turn to the cards. But I also know I know a lot of people out there that I've spoken to who kind of feel the opposite, you know, that really do feel as if the cards are not as directly connected to your own state of mind, but are really kind Mm. of working more outside of you. And so I also know that there are people that would probably say, you know, yes, you, you know, the cards are always, um, they're speaking a different language, I guess, in a way, or, you know, there's always something that they could offer you that, and it doesn't matter so much what state of mind you're in, but you know, it also might be that that's a time where maybe I would ask someone else to read on my behalf versus me for sure. reading for myself. Um, but anyway, it's just interesting that he felt like he wanted to do that, you know, and I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for some of those, you know, readings. But oh, I know. Yeah. If only. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he also apparently consulted, he had a favorite psychic. I'm probably going to butcher her name. It's Madame Delahaya. Um, to try to glean information about his sister, Catherine, during World War II. Um, A member of the French Resistance, Catherine had been deported to Ravensbrück concentration camp, and this psychic correctly predicted that she would survive. Wow. Um, Yeah. And there were um, rituals that were combined with an interest in astrology. Dior P.S. was an Aquarius. Um, and an awe of the magic of numbers. For Dior, the important numbers were 13 and 8, and thus Mm. 13 models were cast in his shows, and his fashion label was officially founded on October 8th, 1946. I love this. I I think that is fascinating when people really translate that into the work. Um, I, I find myself doing that a lot, but I also am, you know, I'm not Christian Dior, so... You know, like his his fingerprint on fashion is is undeniable. So it's like really cool to know that he took it so seriously. Yeah, I was pretty surprised that he was an Aquarius. Um, I wish I I might look up his um, like moon and rising because, you know, I I don't know that I would necessarily think of Aquarius as his aesthetic. You know what I mean? I, I, I would feel maybe more like Libra. Or, mm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it's because it's such a classic, which I guess we yeah, think of it as totally. classic now. But at the time, it was actually quite revolutionary. So maybe maybe that's true, you know. Yeah, that's true. I think in, in my mind, I associate Christian Dior with a new look. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably yeah, why. But that's true. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, OK, well, what do you have next for us? OK, so mine is um, I was really torn because I love Tombstone, the movie with uh, Val Kilmer. And um, I just I just love that movie. But I decided to go with Mad Men because I thought this yes. was really interesting. So there is for those who don't know the show Mad Men, uh, Don Draper, the main protagonist, he is he steals somebody's identity. So a lieutenant that he knew in the war who had passed away, Lieutenant Don Draper. So he assumes the identity of Don Draper. And in the show, he uh, the 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 widow of Don Draper eventually finds him, you know, in her attempt to find her husband, she finds Dick Whitman, who is uh, the man who takes Don Draper's identity. So they form a relationship through the show, um, but she reads the, tar- the the cards for him 
in the second season. She goes, uh, or he goes to visit her in California in her home and she pulls out a deck of cards and he like, he points at it. And I thought this was so funny. He points at it and he goes, it's an ink blot. You can see whatever you want to see. And she just kind of goes, well, just touch your hand on it. You don't have to pull the cards, just touch them. And so he does. And she pulls the cards and in the show, you can see, like, if you pause, you can see the exact frame of the spread and it's a Celtic cross and you have a variety of different uh, cards there. So you have the eight of cups, three of cups reversed. And this is kind of in the, the beginning of the spread, the sun reversed and judgment which at one point, Don Draper, he points to the judgment card and he goes, that's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's worrying. <laughs> and, and she goes, um, it's a resurrection, you know? So I love the framing of, of the judgment card in that way of like, yes, it, it can be scary, but it's also, you know, there's something else on the other side of that. So then the other side of the Celtic cross or the Celtic cross is the eight of wands, the nine of wands, the wheel of fortune. And then finally, the very last card is the world. Mm-hmm. And she correctly like uh, interprets it because she says, well, this is you, you know, this is you being reminded that you are connected to everything. You're connected mm-hmm. to everything. So she kind of ends with this sentiment at the very end saying, um, you know, the only thing that's keeping you from being happy is believing that you're alone, Um, which is a nice full circle moment because in the very end of the show, Don Draper has this kind of pivotal moment. He finds himself at a California retreat meditating in a circle and that's where the show ends. Um, So he's kind of having this like world moment where he remembers how he's connected to everything. So. That's very yeah. true. It's funny. I just recently, so I'm having my fiance watch the series for the first time, and we just got to this episode actually. Um, oh yeah, it's and, great, right? Yeah, it is. And that's I had not thought about that, but that is very true. That sort of in the end of the series, um, he really does kind of achieve that world like sense. Um, yeah. And I also noticed when we were watching, I felt like someone involved with that production must really know their tarot because yeah. I felt like the cards they chose were, it wasn't just the the typical ones. Like they did a really good job, I thought. Yeah, I thought that too, because I saw the spread and immediately I saw the wands in the latter part and I saw, um, you know, the, the judgment card at the very beginning and the eight of cups. Um, and so, you know, she she talks him through that. She goes, well, you know, like, are you in trouble? And he says, I feel like I've, I've ruined everything. He talks about how he feels like he's ruined his family and he's watching, watching his life happen to him. And so then it leads to that, that interpretation of the world, which I really love. She's like one of my favorite characters in the show. Yeah. 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 The other thing I noticed, um, which usually that show is so good about being super like historically accurate, but I did think it was interesting because I think, I'm pretty sure at that point in the series, we're still only in the year, like, 63, maybe. I think we're still yeah, pretty, 62, like... 62, 63, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah, and so, you know, historically, like, the the big um, kind of popularity boom of the Rider-Waite-Smith wasn't until the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, it's not impossible that she would have that deck, but I did think... Um, I was kind of like, oh, it's interesting that they're doing this in this era instead of waiting like a little bit longer. Um, Right. But um, but yeah, I thought I you know, it still is. It's cool. It's just I mean, that show is so much about like memory and um, secret identities. And, you know, it's just I don't know. I thought it was super cool. It is kind of cool. I mean, and then they they go through like 
um, you know, in the first season, Betty Draper is going to a therapist and, you know, she's kind of like the outlier because she's the only one going to therapist or therapy that she knows of. And then you transition to like Don Draper in the end, who's like, you know, very stoic going to this meditation retreat. I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, my last reference for us is Dune. So oh, if there are any okay. Dune fans out there, I know. What? Do you have a confession? <laughs> I do. I do. I've never, I'm waiting for the collective gasp. I've never seen or read Dune. I, I don't know anything about it except for that it's science fiction. So you may have to tell me a little bit the context here. We did all just collectively gasp about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you absolutely must. And I'm not going to dive into this too much right now, but I was telling you when you first told me that, that the Bene Gesserit, like you will be obsessed. You will you will love it. So please dive in. Um, but And I did think that the new movie was fantastic. I actually just rewatched it. I thought they did an amazing job. Um, but okay, so in Dune, for anyone, I'm going to try not to be too spoilery, by the way, but there might be a couple spoilers. So if you if you don't want any single thing spoiled about Dune, you know, maybe don't listen to this section. Mm. But basically in Dune, there is an idea of prescience, which is the ability to see past, present, and future. And um, it turns out that that prescience ability, which at first you just think that these characters are literally just kind of able to to channel and to intuit the the future, but it turns out that it's actually based more off of probability as the series goes on. So they're not they don't actually know the future. They're they're mm-hmm. able to intuit a more likely outcome. They can kind of see like what's most likely to occur. Mm-hmm. And so in the book Dune Messiah which is a, you know, a sequel to the original, um, we get introduced to a tarot in the Dune world, the Dune tarot. And the most significant consequence of this is that, to paraphrase Paul Atreides, who's the protagonist, it muddies time. So because these people are suddenly reading tarot and giving tarot readings and then because the people who receive these readings are then at the very least considering different options if not making different Mm. choices it alters the scheme of probability and it makes it harder for these characters to predict the most likely outcome because suddenly other outcomes have been introduced into you know the fray um Mm -hmm. and honestly when i read that i was like that is that is really a cool way of thinking about what tarot can do. I mean, you know, like, and when this episode airs, we'll have just aired an episode with Jonathan Coe, um, in which we talked a lot about time. He called it time fuckery. You know, this idea that like, (laughs) you know, that, that a way of kind of playing with time or thinking about time in a nonlinear fashion is to think about divination or, you know, more predictive styles of reading as being, as messing with time, you know, as basically Mm. kind of reaching in, looking forward in time and then causing people to make different choices and kind of messing with the future, basically, you know, and I just so interesting. Yeah, I really, I really love that. I mean, there was a lot that I appreciated about what Jonathan shared. And I actually want us to maybe dive into it in a future episode even more. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just this idea that that there could be multiple outcomes and that when you when you in, when you insert a tarot reading into that mixture you maybe mess with it you know even more because yeah. even if you're not someone that reads predictively I still think that 
when you receive a reading, you are probably at least going to think about things differently. I mean, that's why you ask for a reading in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. it's just to get a different perspective. So it, it does have that impact. I mean, it kind of, it makes me think of an image of like a, a stone dropping into water and then the ripples, you know, kind mm. of moving out. You're, you really are having quite a ripply effect. And one thing Jonathan pointed out is that five years from, from now, you know, someone might turn around and be like, oh my gosh, I just, I see now like what that reading was saying, you know, mm. or, I mean, the, the ripples can really be very wide and very long lasting um, in the grand scheme of time. And I'm like obsessed with time. Um, I just think <laughs> it's fascinating. So I don't know. I just, I mean, I totally nerded out about that and I just think it's really interesting. I feel like this, this concept of, of thinking of the tarot as this future casting thing in this particular mm-hmm. way is like really ripe for exploration, like in a lot of different ways, you know? I agree. Yeah. And Jonathan really helped me open my mind to some of that, that I think our community does tend to, you know, at least I will say, you know, kind of a lot of white Western readers um, sort of look down on divination in a way and kind Mm. of um, put it down or sort of try to distance themselves from it. And I mean, I speak for myself, like I've definitely done that in the past, but but these conversations like with Jonathan and the one we're having now are just kind of making me kind of be like, why is that? You know, why, where did I learn? Where did I learn that this was so wrong? You know, why mm-hmm. do I think, why do I think it's so wrong? And I mean, I think it's very complicated. It's not that I'm saying that I think we should all be using the cards in this particular way, but I do think it's interesting to just examine it and maybe broaden the way we think about it a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. So like I said, we'll explore that on a, on a later episode. But um, in the meantime, everybody that's listening, please write in. Please tell us um, what your favorite pop culture references are. Um, I'm sure there are many that I don't know about, um, particularly if there are anyone that anyone knows about um, that are, you know, maybe a little less cliche or that, mm-hmm. that you just that you think really show the tarot in like a different in a new light or, you know, in a light that you, that you enjoy. So it's isotpod at gmail.com. And thanks, Angie. This was so much fun. I loved this. Yeah. Thanks again, Nick. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to In Search of Tarot. You can follow Angie on Instagram at birdgirl underscore. That's B-I-R-D-G-E-R-H-L underscore. And you can follow me, Nick, at In Search of Tarot. This podcast is independently recorded, edited, and produced by us, which means that we rely solely on the generous support of our Patreon backers to make this podcast happen. If you'd like to lend us your support, you can do so for as little as $2 a month over on patreon.com slash in search of tarot.